0: You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website libertyfamilychurch.net.au i got a story to share with you guys, so I don't know if that's something that you'd like to do. I'd like to do it. always like reading stories. For those who are visiting with us too, we normally have a kids' program running, but being school holidays, we like to give the teachers a bit of a, a rest as well. So all going well, next week we'll be having our regular kids' program starting up, which will be great. All right, you ready? Let's go. That's what it's called. This story is about Jesus choosing his helpers. How good's this? So here we go. After Jesus was baptised, he went straight out into the desert. That might seem like an odd place to go because like, a desert's really hot and there isn't any food or water or anything like that. It's a bit of a strange place to stay. But Jesus needed to get away by himself to spend time with God. He needed to be with his heavenly Father to get ready for his new life. In the desert, Jesus thought about the secret rescue plan he had made with God to save us all, to win us back. Before the foundation of the world, they both knew what would have to happen. To rescue God's children, what would have to happen? Jesus would have to die. There was no other way. It was the reason he had come. Now, that old enemy, the one who had spoken through the snake back in the garden, he didn't want Jesus to remember God, he didn't want Jesus to rescue God's people. So he lied to Jesus. Are you really God's own son? He whispered, poor you, God must not love you. You don't need to die, do it my way. Yes and no, said Jesus. Can you say no? no? No. Say it like you mean it. No. 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 That's right. That's how he would have said it. He said, do you know what he said? He said, I will do what God says. That's a heart that wants to obey, isn't it? And from that moment on, nothing would ever be the same. Jesus wasn't like Adam. He was a new kind of man. He would not believe a terrible lie that the enemy spoke. Jesus knew God loved him and would trust God no matter what. It was just as God had promised to Adam and Eve all those years before. Jesus had come to do battle and get rid of the sin and the darkness and the tears, and he would suffer, but he would win. That's what we've just celebrated in having communion. And this is what I want to share with you today, because this is about what I'm sharing with all of us today. Jesus left the desert and set about the great rescue. He was going to get God's people back, but first he needed to find some helpers and some friends. He had a lot to do. He would need some people to help him. Who would make good helpers, do you think? Who would be good helpers for Jesus? Disciples. Nice. Good work. Clever ones? Rich ones? Do you need money to be a good helper to Jesus? No? Fisherman ones, that's right. Some people might think so, but I'm sure by now you don't need me to tell you, you'd be wrong. Because the people God uses don't have to be clever or smart or anything like that. They just have to need him a lot. They just have to need him a lot. One day Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee when he saw some brothers and friends mending their nets. They were poor fishermen. Jesus called out to them and said, let's go. Peter, Andrew, James and John looked up at this man on the shore and they couldn't explain it. Their boats needed to be put away, their nets needed mending, fish were still wriggling in their nets on the shore. But there was something about this stranger that made them just drop their nets and their fish, leave their boats and everything and follow him. This God man was like no one else they'd ever met. When they looked at Jesus, their hearts filled up with a wonderful forever sort of happiness. And inside, it was as if they were running free in an open field. Have you ever run free in an open field? Yeah, it's a good feeling, believe me. Jesus asked 12 men to be his helpers Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, another James, just to confuse things, Simon, Thaddeus, and Judas. Meeting Jesus would change all of them forever. Okay, can you get out from there, please, young lady? Out you get. So meeting Jesus would change all of them forever. So Jesus called these people to come to him. Jesus called these people to come to him. said, let's go. And did you know that that is what Jesus still says to all people, to all of us, even today? Okay. Oh, thanks, kids, for listening to that message. Sort of. Tough crowd this morning. Of course, it's, it's my own daughter who would, would do that, isn't it? Okay, Naomi, listen, it's time for you to now get down there with mum, Okay. Thank you. You know, it's one thing to know about Jesus and it's another thing altogether to actually humble ourselves and follow him, you know, to to take that call on when he says, hey, come, follow me, to actually follow him as disciples. Because being disciples of Jesus is actually really, really hard really, really hard. Why? Because true followers of Jesus deny themselves, take up their crosses and follow him and lose their lives for the sake of the gospel. Now, that's pretty heavy. And you might think, well, that's not very encouraging, Joel. I'm here to be encouraged and and lifted up. But that's not something I've made up. That's something that Jesus said himself. That's what Jesus says is actually required for anyone if they would want to follow him, just like the the kids' version we read just then. This call of Jesus to deny, take up, and follow is recorded in um, three of the four Gospels in the New Testament Matthew chapter 16, Mark 8, and Luke 9. And today we're going to work our way through Jesus'. Radical teaching on discipleship from Mark, chapter 8, verses 34 to 35. And we're going to draw out a few key lessons that we can take away so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be encouraged to continue on as to his disciples or to become disciples of Jesus for the very first time today. That's what I want to do today. So here's the passage, verse 34. Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will find it. How about we pray as we open God's word together today? Oh, Jesus, we are just in awe of you. We are in awe of you. We, just like those, that story, the way it put it as these men just looked at you and they knew something was different. They, at that stage, they didn't really know what it was, but, but they had encountered even at a, at a very immediate sense, the wonder of who you were and who you are. And Jesus, we are filled with wonder as we think about who you are too. So Jesus, we pray today that you would help us to have open hearts and open minds, open spirits to receive the encouragement that you have for us today. We thank you, Lord, that your desire is that every single person would become a disciple of yours, that every single person would respond to that call to come and follow me. So Lord, we pray today, no matter whether we've been a Christian for 40 years or, Lord, whether we're a sceptic or an agnostic or an atheist even right now, Lord, we pray by your spirit that you would speak to our hearts and lead us in what is actually true. So have your way. In us today, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. What comes to mind when you think of denying yourself? Maybe denying yourself, it's like, oh, I better not have that second helping of dessert when it's offered. Maybe it's that, I don't know. Is that, <laughs> is that something that you, doesn't that look good? That is a no-bake cheesecake from taste.com.au, if you're looking for that. I'm leading you into temptation, aren't I? So good. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, let him deny himself in Mark 8.34? Well, the the word that Jesus uses there is taken from the Greek, parneumai, which means to completely disown. To utterly separate oneself from someone you now interestingly, this is exactly the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter twenty six when he tells a horrified Peter that he 's going to disown him three times, so he says to Jesus uh, to Peter that he will deny or apaneomai him three times. No wonder Peter, knowing greek <laughs> responded with passionate words to Jesus in verse 35. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. I will not do that to you, Jesus. There is no way I would do that to you. Can you imagine as a close friend and a disciple of Jesus hearing your rabbi, the one you're following, the one you've invested and sacrificed everything for to say that to you? You can understand why Peter gave that kind of impassioned response that he did. And this same word that Jesus used to describe what Peter is going to be doing is the same word that Jesus uses to describe the degree to which we actually must deny ourselves if we are to follow him. Jesus says that we need to completely deny ourselves. Now, John MacArthur, a pastor from the US, he explains what this actually means quite well. He says, "This is exactly the kind of denial that a believer is to make in regard to himself. He is to utterly disown himself, to refuse to acknowledge the self of the old man." Now, in saying what he's saying, Jesus isn't suggesting that we're not important, that we don't have needs, valid needs, right needs. He's not saying that we should not look after ourselves, that we should not take after care of ourselves. After all, we're children of God. We're created in his image. Our heavenly father knows each one of us by name. We're of immense value to him. He cherishes and loves each one of us completely. No, that's not what he's teaching. But what Jesus is getting at is that we need to give up anything or deny anything at all that we would want or seek that would stop us from following him and doing his will. That's what Jesus is saying in terms of dying To self, in order to follow him, you know, that's the first key to discipleship. Jesus says, You want to follow me? You can't live for number one as your number one anymore. I need to be your number one. You You need to do what I say, you need to be obedient no matter the cost. This is what it means to follow me. Jesus calls us to no longer live for ourselves with our own needs and wants as our highest priority but actually to deny ourselves and joyfully commit to living for God with his needs and his wants as our highest priority. Because when we do this, we actually become free. This is when we become free in life and free to serve him. You know, we can no doubt all think of different examples of people that we know, in, maybe, probably in our church community. More broadly, some of our well-known Christians, I guess, you know, you think of Mother Teresa, who literally sacrificed everything, sacrificed her very life to do exactly what it was that God called her to do. You know, you can probably think of countless others as well. That's the kind of self-denial led by the Spirit, obviously. It's not denial for the sake of denial, living a life of poverty because you think that will somehow please God. No, God might call you to that, or he might just call you to live sacrificially in your workplace for him. But whatever it is, that is the kind of denial that Jesus is calling us to. So that's the first thing Jesus shares about discipleships. Dis- disciples of Jesus deny themselves. And here's the second. Disciples of Jesus take up their cross and follow him. Mark eight thirty four: If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself... And take up his cross and follow me. So what does Jesus mean when he calls us to take up our cross and follow him? I really like again what John MacArthur shares about what Jesus is getting at here. Here's what he says: He says, taking up one's cross is not some mystical level of selfless, deeper spiritual life that only the religious elite can hope to achieve, nor is it the common trials and hardships that all persons Experience sometime in life. To take up one's cross is simply to be willing to pay any price for Christ's sake. It is the willingness to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution, and even martyrdom for his sake. Wow. You know, Jesus' followers back then, they knew exactly what he was getting at when he said, If you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross. They knew that a cross was an instrument of extreme torture. They lived under Roman rule. They saw it in their weekly existence. They knew what a cross was, who it was reserved for. It was reserved for Rome's greatest enemies. It was a symbol of torture, death, and total sacrifice. You know, they, Jesus' followers, in, in, it was common in those days for like Jesus had to, to endure the cross, carry the cross in, through public areas while people are watching on. People would have seen other people carrying a cross to knowing that they were going to their death. That's what Jesus' followers would have known. And they knew that when Jesus said to actually take up a cross, it meant that he was saying, if you want to follow me, you need to give your life completely to me, holding nothing back, risking it all to follow me, no matter the cost. You see, when Jesus is calling us to take up his cross, he's calling us to give ourselves completely to God. That's it, completely to God. He's urging us to give our lives over sacrificially to God and to commit to serving and honouring him in any way we can. You know? As David Pratt says, taking up your cross refers to giving your whole life to God as Jesus was about to give his life for us. This involves bearing burdens, but it's deeper than that. It's a total dedication of life. Our whole life is given to his service in anything he says. This will lead us to willingly deny self. So true. Again, when we do this, when we deny ourselves, when we take up our cross and follow Jesus, we become free. All of a sudden, we are free. We become free, we're better able to enjoy relationship with him, and we become freer and more willing with hearts, desires that are shifted so that our desire is to better serve and follow him in whatever it is that he calls us to. We're free to love other people radically, When we're no longer needing to put ourselves on the throne, but Jesus is on the throne, all of a sudden, Jesus is where our identity is. It's not in what we do or anything like that, and we're just able to freely, radically love people. When when Jesus is on the throne, we're free to serve others, to bless others in creative and meaningful ways. When we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus, we are actually freed to a greater degree to become the kind of disciples that he actually calls us to be. So that's the second key Jesus shares about discipleship. Disciples of Jesus take up their cross and follow him. And here's the third. Disciples of Jesus lose their lives for the sake of the gospel. Mark eight thirty-five. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's Will save it. You know, this is, in many ways, Jesus' way of summarising his teaching when it comes to discipleship, to just really bring it home for us, to really nail it home. Essentially, by saying what he says here, Jesus is challenging us to, to understand and really appreciate that we have a choice to make when it comes to becoming disciples. It's, we've got a choice to make, He's, he gives us, challenging us to really understand that we can choose to go the way of the world. You know, like we shared in uh, last year in, in our Sermon on the Mount series. There's two paths that we can take in life. There's not 15 different paths. There's two paths according to Jesus, and it's the same when it comes to dis- discipleship. We can be, we can follow Jesus without actually being disciples in the sense that we can pay Jesus lip service, or with a radical heart transformation that only can come through relationship with him we can actually be true disciples disciples who are free and jesus is challenging us that we can choose to live a self-centered life where we focus on you know accumulating the riches of the world for instance or or just living for our own priorities and if we do that as we read we actually lose our lives we gain nothing we might have a lot in this life but jesus says we actually lose everything. But here's the good news. Or we find and live our lives, we can find and live our lives completely fulfilled in rich relationship with Jesus right now and for all eternity by living for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. That's what Jesus says. We, don't, we need to be so careful, don't we? Maybe, maybe it's only me, I don't know. But I find it's so easy to become preoccupied with other things, not even, not even like bad things in and of themselves, or some really, really good things, some good things like maybe for you it might be honouring God in the way that you work or the way that you parent or working on your marriage or all these things are really good things. But we need to be careful that these good things don't actually take us away from Jesus himself that they don't actually take us away from him. Because if these things do, if, we're, if we become too preoccupied with the things of the world and, and don't kind of stick with him, we risk actually missing the, out on the greatest treasure, the greatest treasure that we could enjoy, abundant life and fulfilling relationship with Jesus right now and for the one to come as well. And the words that Jesus goes on to share in the following verses, in Mark eight thirty six to 37, it really kind of brings this truth home. Like, yeah, you, if anyone thinks Jesus was meek and mild, you just got to read some of these and, and you realise that, that he was far from that all the time. Here's what he says, "'For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul?' You know, that's, that's it in a nutshell, isn't it? You know, we can't earn our way to honour God. We, we can't make things right through our own efforts. It's all because of Jesus, like Tim shared before. None of us want to gain the whole world and forfeit our I'm, I'm I'm sure of that. None of us want that at all. But here's the thing. Our awesome, generous, mighty God wants to actually give us every good thing. He wants to give us every good thing, everything that is good, everything that we need, security for our souls now and forever in eternity, and we can have all of that through relationship with Jesus. It all comes back to that relationship with Jesus. All that matters in life, ultimately, if you can do nothing else in life, if you would see the only thing that you could succeed in in life as being relationally close with Jesus, then you've won. Like, seriously, you have nailed it. You have not wasted your life. On the flip side, if you've achieved everything, every human accolade, every possible award or degree, or your bank balance is just like going Jeff Bezos level, like, seriously, you have lost it all. You've, you, you sadly, Jesus says, we actually, we've missed it. We've missed the whole meaning and purpose of life, why we exist. And relationship with Jesus is everything. And relationship with Jesus, as he said, it comes through humbling ourselves, becoming disciples of his, and then continuing to grow as disciples. Who knows that it's not just a once-off thing to become a disciple? Certainly not. And as we've been reminded of today through Exploring Mark 8, if we want to come to Jesus, if we actually want to take up that call when he says, hey, come, follow me, walk with me, become my disciple, allow me to lead you in life, if we want to truly enjoy a relationship with him and be truly free, the key is to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. I want to encourage all of us today. I want to encourage all of us today to to resolve afresh, to do this. And I'm not talking about, when I say a resolve, sometimes I kind of think about spiritual resolves in a wrong way too. Like I can sometimes think, oh, I resolve to do something, so I'm going to try really hard to do something, like in and of myself. And then all of a sudden, when I don't do so well at that, I get really discouraged and feel down and feel shame and all those sort of things. The thing with spiritual resolutions or resolves, is that you're partnering with God. It's not something that you're trying to do in your own strength. It's simply a surrender before God and saying, God, you know what? I want to be your disciple. I want to grow as a disciple of yours. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to get distracted by any other worldly good thing or not good thing, whatever. I just want to follow you. Will you help me in that Holy Spirit? Will you empower me so that that can actually be true for me? That's what it's all about. You know, perhaps you're listening to this and you've never actually approached Jesus before. You've heard about Jesus. You've heard he's a good teacher. You might have watched things like The Chosen and seen that he seemed to do some pretty good things. Well, I want to encourage you, respond to his call today. He's called to everyone from his disciples then well, ultimately all throughout history has been a call for people to come and follow him. And he continues to call anyone who is willing to humble themselves and approach him. And he wants to welcome you into his family. He wants to free you. And he wants to lead you through life, to enjoy life spent in relationship with him. So, you know, I just want to encourage you, if that's you today, choose to approach Jesus in faith and he will welcome you in and forgive you and cleanse you, and raise you up as a member of his own family. So come and have a chat with me at the end. I'd love to pray with you, if that's you. And I think if some of us here might have been Christian for quite a long time, why not use this as an opportunity right now to just reach out to God and ask Holy Spirit to actually help you to grow, to help you to grow as a disciple of Jesus. So easy. Like I said, it's so easy to get distracted or or just put our own needs or wants above the things that we know Jesus is actually calling us to, isn't it? It's so easy. We desperately need Jesus' help in order to walk free as his disciples. So Holy Spirit wants to help us. Why don't we just take a moment to ask that he would give us that help humbly today? So we're going to take a moment right now just for some personal prayer and reflection, and then I'm going to pray and close in a while. So yeah, just connect with God. Talking with God is what prayer is. So if you don't know how to connect with God, all you need to do is talk with him. Talk with him in your head or out loud. doesn't matter. He hears. He knows. Reach out to him now. We just want to say thank you, Jesus. I want to say thank you that for your incredible love for us that doesn't say, go away from me, but says, come to me. And Lord, we pray today that as each of us, no matter where we're at, whether we're reaching out to you for the first time or whether we're reaching out for you for the number of time we can't even imagine over the years, Lord, it doesn't matter. We thank you that you are always ready to reach out to return to your children, return that effort when we reach out to you, Lord. So we pray, God, today, as we have reached out to you, as we've declared, as we've as we've committed ourselves afresh with your help and through your power, Jesus, to grow as your disciples, we pray, Lord, that you would do that in our hearts, that we would grow as followers of you, that we would be people who do deny ourselves, that we would be people who do take up our cross in order to follow you, who don't Go the way of the world where it's all about number one, but Jesus, we truly make you reign as number one in our lives. Would you move in our hearts, Jesus, we pray. Because Lord, we just want to be sold out for you. We want to be, live radical lives that make a real difference as we partner with you in seeing your kingdom come and your will be done in Hillsville, the Yarra Valley and beyond. So, Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Would you embolden us so that we can rise up to greater levels, greater depths as your disciples who truly deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you? Help us, Jesus, to lose our lives in the sense so that we can truly embrace life in you. For your glory, for the good of the world, and also, Lord, ultimately, for for our good too. So we thank you, Jesus, and we praise you, Lord, for the cost that is involved of discipleship, but the cost that we can pay because of relationship with you. So take us deeper, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.